Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brendan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Go On YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Raphael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. It's a brand new year here on the Quick Pit Podcast, and we are very happy to have Eric back on the show. Unfortunately, Connor couldn't make it this week, but uh, how are you doing, Eric, all the way across the pond again? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've just been, you know, recovering from the uh, New Year's hangover. I think everyone has had to an extent. So um, happy New Year, everyone. I'm glad to be back on the show. And uh, once again, we're going to have some fun today. Yeah, and, and this is take two, which, as Eric mentioned, in between, it's been a while since he's. You said you haven't heard us mess up. We we used to mess up a ton getting started. It took us so many takes to get going, but now got it down to a science. But yeah, this is season three, getting ready. We're gonna start previewing the 2022 season now that it's the new year. The, the new year has turned over, and so. It's pretty exciting getting ready for 2022. But first of all, we've got some pretty big news to break down. Starting off with Brandon Brown. Two weeks ago, give or take, maybe three, he released some articles, some interviews, talking about how the, the Let's Go Brandon stuff has harmed him and harmed his chances at getting sponsorship. And he put these interviews and articles out to try and clear the air, appeal to sponsors. Apparently, it didn't work. Tell him. Who did Brandon Brown sign as a full-season sponsor this season? Tell, uh, who is it, Eric? Uh, a very well-known company, if you could mm. even call it that, LGB <laughs> Coin, which basically mm. stands for Let's Go Brandon Coin. Yes. So the exact opposite of what Brandon actually was trying to do here. Yeah. You said you had some strong opinions. You want to share them? Yeah, I would love to. So if you guys are familiar with the show and if you've had the chance to watch any episodes with me in it, um, I've mentioned a couple of times I'm not actually from the States. Like Ethan said, I'm from across the pond. I'm from Europe. So I'm a pretty neutral. Um, I have some pretty neutral opinions when it comes to U.S. politics because it, it really doesn't affect me as much as, as it would Ethan, for example. So the entire Let's Go Brandon saga has been really, really funny and kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. So the, the, my main concern was always, how does this affect Brandon Brown? I always really felt bad for him. And um, I still do, because him being forced to take the sponsorship, because I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to assume that he didn't get any other offers. So him being forced to take the sponsorship, I don't think he wanted to, to take this, this sponsorship. I think if he had the choice, he would have taken something else. But um, I really just hope this doesn't ruin, completely ruin Brandon Bill, Brandon Bill Motorsports. I think it. I think it might if if they really don't find anything because this looks like a pyramid scheme. This seems like some sort of money laundering IK9 sort of situation. And uh, I I just I'm really really concerned at this point for this team. Uh, I heard some stuff about NASCAR not wanting to approve the sponsor. I'm not sure if they ever did. I haven't read anything about that just yet. But when the the sponsor was first announced, that was the rumor going around that NASCAR was not willing to allow the sponsor to run. So I just hope they figure something out because losing a team like Brandon Bill Motorsports would really suck. 
Yeah, and I'm like you. I don't. I don't. I I feel like. Yeah, I may lean one way politically, but like, I don't really. I don't feel too strongly either way about about this. Let's go, Brandon stuff. I'm like you, more concerned about the coin and, and the sponsorship that the meat and potatoes of, of this company that's signing on to do a full race Xfinity deal. That's a couple million dollars worth of sponsorship. I don't know where it's going to come from because when you look at this coin, it's called, they call themselves a meme coin. I don't know how many meme coins are successful. You know, like I get, I mean, would Dogecoin count? I guess that's a meme coin. That would be like the only one. And anything outside of that, it's like I'm skeptical enough of these legitimate crypto sponsorships. You know what I mean? Like, and some of these companies are big crypto companies that are signing to sponsor stock cars, race teams. But I'm already skeptical of them. I I still think that bubble's going to burst here. So what's a meme coin going to do? I I mean, I'm worried that they're not going to make it through a quarter of the season. And that's what's really concerning is that a, a team like a big team could afford a crypto company to go bust on them. Brandon Brown can't. Uh, maybe it was the only option. So it was shut the team down or hope that this works out. And, and if that's the case, then more power to him. I mean, obviously his plea, his his interviews did not help because he had to settle for this sponsorship. But and it sure seems like it's the only thing he's got, but it, it, it really is a shame that it's come to this. And I really hope it works out, but I'm not too optimistic for it. You're going to have to excuse my language a bit here, but I think they're honestly just trying to take the piss out of Brandon. I think they, they just saw how, how much this has blown up. And they're just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny to sponsor the guy that got this meme going and then just ditch him? I honestly think this is what's happening here because it's legitimately, like you said, it's a meme coin. Even more than Dogecoin and whatever other coins we've had in the last year or two, they've just been popping up every day. It's kind of ridiculous, and I'm honestly just kind of upset about this. I, The more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more upset I get. So I think it would be better if, if, we, if you take over here because I'm going to end up saying some mean stuff if I keep on going here. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope it I hope 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 it works out for Brandon. There's still a chance. I mean, the crypto stuff is confusing. I don't know how the money circulates in that, and maybe maybe it's a even though it doesn't look like it's valuable, maybe there's a lot more value in the company. Also, apparently, to to further the saga, like you said, NASCAR said they hadn't approved it yet when it was announced that Brandon Belt Motorsports had jumped the gun on the sponsorship announcement, to which Brandon Brown replied that NASCAR had emailed them saying that NASCAR was approving the sponsorship, and that's why they announced it. So there's still a whole saga sorting out. There's a chance that the sponsor could be blocked still, I think. And that would just make the whole saga way more interesting. It's a position. I saw this earlier, Reddit somewhere, I think on Reddit. NASCAR puts any political sponsor puts NASCAR in a, in a bad situation, especially this let's go Brandon stuff. Um, Because if they block it, then it'll be, it'll be seen as censorship 
and trying to control political voices. Whereas if they allow it, it will go against their like kind of, well, yeah, their, their progressive model and trying to attract new fans. And so for NASCAR, it's a tough spot. For Brandon Brown, he's in a rotten spot because of this chin. And, and there's really no winner here, honestly, except for LGB coin because everyone's heard of them now. I've always said keep politics out of NASCAR. I didn't like the Trump car we've had last year, and I don't like this car we have today. And I just hope it it somehow gets resolved without Brandon-built motorsports being completely screwed over. Yeah. And unfortunately, no matter what happens, it seems like that's the way it's trending. I did see something suggested, and I don't know if they could do this, but if NASCAR wants – like, like I said – if it's a big time team, they're going to recover. But for Brandon Belt, this is probably his only sponsor. And so because of that, I think, is there any way NASCAR be, would be like, look, we know you needed this to save your team. So we don't want you running the sponsor, but we'll give you the money they were going to pay. You. Do you think there's any chance of them doing something like that? Like kind of will, will help will help you recover from this in a way? I honestly, I don't think they would do that because it sets a weird precedent. Like, uh, what would stop another team signing a contract with some no-name sponsor on purpose to try to scam NASCAR out of some money? Like, I don't think anyone would, would try to do that, but it, technically, they would, they would have the possibility. Someone could technically do it. I don't think it would happen, but it sets a weird and gray area sort of precedent that I don't think we should be messing with. I honestly think there's a bigger chance of Mr. Beast coming and putting his logo on the car and running it every week. That would be really cool, actually. But Mr. Beast could buy a race team. Honestly, that would be fun. Um, But, yeah, and unfortunately, whenever this kind of situation comes up, like with the Trump car and Corey LaJoy in 2020, it's always the smaller teams because the bigger teams, they have enough – options that they don't have to go with a, a political sponsor but if if you're a smaller team you take any sponsorship offer that comes at you and so but but and then it puts nascar in a tough spot because they don't want the sponsor in the sport but they also don't want to screw over their small teams because the small teams can't recover from that kind of stuff and so i mean it, there, there's no good solution there's no there's no real way to fix it unfortunately and it's just a shame how this whole thing has went down and uh, there were some people saying that brandon brown would have probably been better off if he never won the talladega race but then you look on who finished in second it was brandon jones so it would just been a different brandon so at this point it would just been better if if the reporter never mentioned whatever the chat whatever the crowd was chanting so it, it, it just a it's just a weird and kind of stupid situation. And it, it all just comes down to politics and it really sucks because no one wants to see that. No one wants to listen to all the arguments and all the st- stupid stuff going around. We all just want to see racing, right? And when it's stuff like this happens, it, it, you can't not be sad about it. You can't not get mad about it. That's just my opinion on it. Uh, I said it would be a little bit on the stronger side. I hope it wasn't too strong. I, I definitely no, no, went no. In straight in with it. That, that, that is a perfectly fine stance. I, I pretty much agree with you on all of that. What do we got next in, in terms of news this week? 
Well, uh, it was a pretty quiet week, but we've had some minor changes uh, regarding crew chiefs. Um, Junior Motorsports has just announced their uh, crew chief lineup. Ethan, if you could look that up um, and see who who the crew chiefs are, because I haven't actually gotten a chance to see that. Yeah, give me a second. While I pull that up, talk about uh, Almarola, his new crew chief. Yeah, so um, Almarola's current crew chief is now going to be, I'm pretty sure, a competition director or something similar to that role of the 10 car. And um, Michael McDowell's former crew chief, uh, Drew Blickensdurfer, I think that's how you pronounce it, he's going to be with the 10 car next season. Uh, quite a big upgrade for, for Drew, if you think about it. Um, he has been with a lot of teams. He has been with Roush before. I'm pretty sure he was with Matt Kenseth. Uh, I don't think he was the most successful crew chief. He definitely has gotten most of his success um, this this year, this last year with with Michael. So I'm very curious to see how he will perform it with Almarola. I hope they're going to do well. Um, I hope Almarola gets closer to playoffs on points this year. Um, if he could go out and win again, I wouldn't be surprised. He's proven this this last year that he can definitely go and win on a, on a just random weekend. So I'm excited to see how this pairing is going to. Uh, affect this this 10 team um amarola is gonna i'm pretty sure he's in a contract year this year right i think so he's been in a contract year for a couple years so um nothing new nothing new there yeah i think this is might be a make or break year for him so i hope he does well yes um and i'm trying to pull up the stats for these guys so uh eric almarola's crew chief was mike Oh man, Bugerwicks. I, I, I tried. Uh, B u g a r e w i c z. Um, he, which last season was his sixth full time season in the Cup Series as a crew chief. He had four wins as a crew chief, and he's moving to a different role at at Stuart Haas Racing. He's been promoted to be. Uh, the the performance director for Stuart Haas Racing. So Blickensdurfer is replacing Mike. Uh, Blickensdurfer in his career has four career wins as well, most recent coming with Michael McDowell at the Daytona 500. He also won um, he's also won races with Matt Kenseth and David Reagan in the past. He won the day. He's won. Whoa. He's won two Daytona 500s, one with Matt Kenseth and one with McDowell this year. And then uh, finally, for, for Junior Motorsports, um, Luke Lambert will take over for the crew chief for Noah Gregson next year, trying to pull up his stats. But uh, Luke Lambert is a, is a pretty household name for, for NASCAR. Oh, he only has one career win. <laughs> Uh, most recently he was with Roush Fenway racing with Chris Buescher and Ryan Newman. So pretty, you still there, Eric? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to, uh, I was drop in to come in. that was weird. Go. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I did want to say you mentioning, uh, Drew Bickenser for winning those two Daytona 500s. It actually makes me a bit more excited for Amarola because he's a great plate racer. And I think, Looking to for has proved that he can set up a good super speedway car. So I think that might actually help Amarola quite a lot. Yes. Uh, Blickensturfer has been McDowell's crew chief for three years. Um, and then one of his other three wins with David Reagan was also at Daytona, uh, another plate race. So 
Um, because Durford definitely has skill for that. He also has 12 career wins in the Xfinity series. So Blickens Durford is a, a pretty established guy. All of these guys that are moving around are. Um, and so, yeah, I think Luke Lambert is going to, to do a good job as well. Um, and, and finally, unless you have anything else to say about that, I, I mean, it, I don't pay too much attention to crew chiefs. I think as long as there's chemistry, it'll be, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. I usually just look around Coochies when it affects drivers I, I really like and I like to root for. For example, this this year I was very actually this last year, I'm still getting used to that. Uh, I was very um critical of Jeremy Bowens. You would know. You you've seen all my rants during races when something uh less than ideal happened with Keslowski and his strategy. So I was very excited when McCall was announced to the sixth car. Um so yeah, I'm not like I like I said I'm not like just like you. I'm not that interested usually in crew chief move movements in the silly season. But um, this seems like a pretty interesting uh, change. So like I said, I'm excited. I hope uh, Amarillo does well. Yeah, I wonder if Brad brought that extra set, set of tires from Richmond to with him to Roush. I'm I'm gonna get on a whole entire hand if you mention Richmond, and I don't think you want that happening today. <laughs> yeah, um, you can tell it's offseason. We're we're going deep into the deep into the well for 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 news here because <laughs> we're talking about crew chiefs. Finally, the biggest news on the gaming front recently is that iRacing has bought Monster Games. Go into some detail on that, Eric. So um, I'm not entirely sure what the deal actually uh, aims to do. From what I've seen, iRacing has mentioned diving into the console side of, of, of the marketplace. I'm not entirely sure if that would mean uh, they take over the creation of NASCAR games. This could very well mean next, next year. This year, man, that is really hard to get used to, isn't it? <laughs> like I was saying... This might mean we might get a continuation of the Heat series in 2022, which would be very cool to see, considering they weren't they weren't great games, but they were not bad. They were very serviceable. And um, considering what has happened with NASCAR Ignition, I think most people would gladly go back to the Heat series. Have you or played this that? could mean have you played Unfortunately, Ignition recently? Oh, recently, no, but I have about 17 hours in it. I've I've really gave it too many chances, and I bought it on release, so I I really took an L on this one. I I am so glad I waited on that. I am so. Have you played it since? I think they patched it recently, actually. So have, have you played it since the patch? Well, last time I played it was on the thirty first of December, which you know might have something to do with the fact it was it was it was close to new year so i might not have been in the best mindset doing that interpret you can you can figure out what i mean by that um yes continue on, on monster games yeah so this might also mean that iRacing is planning to expand into the, in, like the platform itself is considering to expand in the, into the console marketplace which would be very interesting to see i'm not entirely sure if iRacing could run that well on consoles it really depends um on what consoles they plan to release i assume at this point most games will not plan on releasing on the ps4 and xbox one so i think it should run decently 
but um, it's it's still a pretty interesting idea. I, I was wondering, Ethan, what do you what do you think about this? I'm a pretty uh, regular user of iRacing. I haven't played it as much this last week, but I was pretty active uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you said you wanted to get into it some time ago. What do you think is what do you think is the call here? Uh, I'm really curious to see what you think. Uh, well, I think first of all. Motorsport Games has the NASCAR contract to make the NASCAR game through 2029, which means that we've got a little bit. Um, I think what this could mean is I think we could see the SRX cars in uh, iRacing. I think since Monster Games has been making a lot of dirt racing games recently, I think we could see uh, more dirt content being added to iRacing which would be pretty cool. I know I don't use it as much, but I think if I would, I would do. I would try and do dirt racing because dirt racing is a lot of fun uh, in the gaming world. But, but yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, the Series X and the PS5 are basically PCs at this point. That's true. And That's so true. maybe you could have a... You know, maybe it could, it could run on these things. And, and you know... There, there would be the concern that you'd get a lot of like noobs coming in, but if you keep the same subscription model, you wouldn't have to, you know? The problem where, with the where, subscription model... Go ahead, go ahead. So if you do the same subscription model you have on um, where it's really just a console direct port from the PC version to the console, same subscription, you can carry over accounts and cars and stuff like that, then you're not going to get any any just casual fans stumbling on and, and tearing up lobbies with controllers, right? Because they, they'd still have to pay for a subscription if they want. So you'd have to put an investment into it, and that would weed out a lot of those people. So I think it could work. Um, do I think it will? I don't know, because I feel like that would take a lot of work for iRacing to do it. And I don't know. I mean, I think they're pretty happy with where they're at right now. So I don't know if it's worth it for them to go into that into that realm. Uh, one concern I, I, I do have with the subscription model is I'm not entirely sure just how uh, how much would Xbox and, and Sony agree with it, with, with how iRacing runs stuff, especially PlayStation and Sony. They've been known to be very strict when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, a little bit off topic, but I remember when uh, when Minecraft was uh, was made cross platform across all the platforms. PlayStation was one of the only ones to not want to do that and not have cross platform with everyone else. So I'm 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 thinking they might not let iRacing run the same way. Their their business model might not be the same on console. So we might end up having some different servers for console that allow people to, to purchase like the game and just play forever. So it's a little bit more casual, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. They, they really haven't announced anything in regards to their plans. We have no idea what they're planning to do. So this is just speculation, but I hope um, it really just ends up being a continuation of the NASCAR heat series because the NASCAR gaming world, it really needs it at the moment. I think we're not going to see motorsport games make it to the end of their contract if they continue going down this path of just mediocrity. Worse than mediocrity. Oh, for sure. I was being being kind. (laughs) Yeah, you're pulling no punches today. Um, I think 
you know, a game kind of between the current state of NASCAR console gaming and iRacing would like a NASCAR game on the caliber of F1 would be phenomenal. You know what I mean? I, I, I think if I wanted to see anything, I don't necessarily want to see iRacing on console. I want to see a NASCAR game that's as immersive, uh, that has as good physics, as good um, graphics and, and gameplay as you can get on the F1 on the F1 uh, 2021 game. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Motorsport games, I have to, I have to say, I really appreciate them going for an approach that encompasses every type of racer. You can, you can race as a, you can race the game as a sim. You can race the game as just a beginner or a casual, normal uh, gamer. It, it's, it was really, it was a really good idea on paper, but they just, they just missed the execution so badly. And it really sucks because somewhere deep in there, there's a game that you could probably enjoy to an extent, but in, in its current state, it just, there's just nothing there. And it's really unfortunate because I don't think there has been this much hype for an NASCAR game since probably Heat Evolution. <laughs> well, the first game for a developer for NASCAR games does not have a good history. Um, I will say, uh, and I agree with you on that, looking looking at some of the analysis of like some of the people who have gone into the code and looking at some of the stuff, like how they intended to have it like F1 where you follow where you're driving the whole time, right? And stuff like that. I think there's... There's hope for the future for for uh, ignition, but it'll it's it's a long way off, too too long off. But I think that's a discussion for another time. Um, unless you have any other news that you've remembered, I don't think there's anything else big worth mentioning. Um, we can move to the second segment. I think that's it. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about some rumors that we wish had come true. That's coming up next on the Quick Hit Podcast. podcast i'm here ethan you made it to the second segment of this week's show no connor this week but eric is back on the program and we will be talking about some rumors that have happened within the last decade i think nothing further back than that that we wish would have come true and so eric you start us off with your first selection right so um i'm going to go in order from uh, most altering to from least altering, sorry, to most altering. So my first prediction was pretty popular around 2017 to 2018. It was Casey Kane going to the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford. So if everyone here was uh, active in the NASCAR community back in like 2017, you would know Casey Kane uh, was uh, not meant to return to Hendrick Motorsports, mostly because of sponsorship. Um, for that reason, a lot of people were not entirely sure where he would go for 2018. Eventually, uh, it was decided that he would go to Levine Family Racing, which at the time was a Chevrolet team, so it was not as strong as we were accustomed to seeing Levine Family Racing with the Benedetto and Bell. But um, if you ask me, I think Casey Kane did 
pretty fine in that car. Um, unfortunately, he was not able to run the full season because of his health issues. But if he went to that 21 car, a lot of stuff would have changed. So first of all, he would have been in a much more competitive car. Ethan, I think we can bo- both agree on that. Uh, the 21 oh, yeah. was probably a lot better. Even in 2018, it was a lot better than a 95 car. And um, what that would also change the career of Paul Menard, which would um, probably now be forced to either retire, go to a lower series, or take a, a worse ride than what he actually got. I think like it's... Yeah, I think he would probably go to Levine. That was exactly what I was about to say. Um, so I think he would probably stick around with Levine. And um, if I remember correctly, the main reason for Levine going away was a lack of funding, right? Uh, who, Menard? Sorry. Uh, no, Levine Family Racing. No, I mean, who going to... Sorry, I, I was looking something up. Repeat the last, like, two sentences. Oh, that, that's fine. So I said... Um, Menard would probably go to Levine, and um, since he brings the sponsorship, that w- would probably fix Levine's uh, funding issue. That was probably the main reason they closed down. Yeah, I, and I was thinking this, of the same thing because you know, I think Menard going to Wood Brothers helped them return with that that Menard's money as well. So I really think, I mean, and, and that also impacts the career of Matt Benedetto because you know. Menard raced there, or, or sorry, how long was Matt? How long was the Benedetto with with Levine to see there for two years? It was just 2019, so just one year. Okay, um, so so yeah, I think you know Menard. If if Kane gets the Wood Brothers car, I think Menard either retires or or goes to the 95. If he goes to the 95. They've got the Menard sponsorship. That's huge. They might not join TRD if they have that that sponsorship. And I think for the overall health of Levine Family Racing, I think not joining TRD would have and uh, Toyota Racing Development would have been much better for that team. And so, say Menard does the same thing he did in, when he went to Wood Brothers. He races two years, then retires. Well, where where does uh, where does Matt Menardetto go? Because he joined Levine for 2019. And if Menard's there, what, what happens to Matty D? And then who goes into the 95 if that's still a Chevy team for the 2020 season? I, I think there's a lot of ripple effect from this for, for some not super competitive teams, but still relatively relevant teams. So uh, I, I do think that's a fascinating, fascinating uh, idea. You know, that this is a, it's a really good question. I was thinking the Benedetto could at some point go back to the 95, like, like he actually did in real life, but probably like a year later. So that would be in 2020. So that, that would now that would beg the question, what would the Benedetto do for one, one year? Would he go down to Xfinity? Would he take an even worse car? Would he maybe drive something for Rick Ware for, for a year, maybe go to Starcom? Um, it's, it's very interesting to think about. And um, you, you also have to mention the fact that Kane never actually ran the full 2018 season. And I don't think that changes with, with the Wood Brothers. So what happens with that 21 car one, once Kane inevitably has to step down? And I was thinking about this uh, wh- right when I told you I, we wa- I wanted to do this segment. I was, I was thinking about this, and I, I tried to remember who was in the Ford development program back in 2018. And I don't know if you would agree with me, but do you think it's possible for maybe Ryan Reed getting the rest of the season? 
I thought of the same name. Didn't he? Man, it's been a while since I thought of Ryan Reed. I don't know. Was he? He wasn't very good. Like, yeah, he wasn't the best, but I think he would have been decent choice for them. I mean, he was still with Ford at the time. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, Regan Smith ended up finishing out the season for for Levine, right? That's right. Yeah, Ryan Reed won two races in the Xfinity Series in, in 2018. He ran the full schedule. Last it was his last schedule in the Xfinity or last full season in the Xfinity Series, and he um, two top fives, ten top tens, and eleventh in the final standings. Only led five laps, so he he wasn't. He wasn't very competitive there. I would say, I mean, who else was in Xfinity that year of note that, that would have been would have been right? Would you maybe have Ryan Priest? I was also thinking maybe Trevor Bain, maybe once Roush um, decides to ditch uh, Trevor Bain and put someone else in that car. Maybe Trevor Bain gets the rest of the season, like it, like a final hurrah with 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 the Wood Brothers. What about someone like Matt Tift? That's also a good one. You know, this is hard because there's just so many ripple effects. There's like a butterfly effect. You you really can't predict everything, can you? Yeah, and, and I feel like we're gonna do that for for each one here because all of these are are really interesting. Um, who? I guess I'll go with my next one. Um, and I'm going to try and keep this. I think this is chronological order, but um, Kevin Harvick to the five. And, and this happened when SHR announced that they would be leaving Chevrolet after the 2016 season. Kevin Harvick had always driven Chevrolets, always had a loyalty to, the, to them. So there were some rumors going around, especially given that Casey Kane was not performing compared to his other Hendrick Motorsports teammates. Um that Kevin Harvick would replace him on the five team starting in 2017. And of course, I believe these rumors were shot down pretty quickly. I think Harvick even called Kane and told him his drive, his ride was safe, that he was staying at SHR. But this is a really big what if because Hendrick struggled from 2017 through 2019 and even part of 2020. And I imagine if Kevin Harvick was there, imagine I mean, that was when he was in his prime in that time span. And sure, Hendrick and Chevy might have had the same problems with the Camaro, but I think having Kevin Harvick there would have really helped. And it also impacts the, the future of the organization as well. So what, what do you think some of the ripple effects for that would be? Man, that's a tough one. Well, first of all, you have to talk about Casey Kane because he still had two more years left. I don't think he would yeah. retire. I think it's a pretty safe safe choice to have Kane at least in the talks for that four car because Tony Stewart likes his dirt racers and Casey Kane is a dirt racer. I think that's a it's a pretty good pick. I think it could happen. Just just yeah. for them to do a bright swap. That would be interesting. But if if you if you talk about Harvick going to to uh, Hendrick it's very possible they don't have as big of a decline because Harvick has always been known to carry his, his his organizations, you have to think back to RCR, and I, I don't think it's really comparable um, 
Henrik and RCR, I don't think their fall is is very comparable. I think uh, RCR had a bigger downfall in in the in the late two thousands than Henrik had um, in in the last couple in the last couple seasons. So it, it's 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 a it's a tough call to make. I think it definitely would help Henrik stay a bit afloat, but I don't think it I don't think it would it would put them in, in championship contention just yet. I think I still think Elliot would, would be the driver to finally revive the team in 2020. But I think Harvick would would be in would be a dark horse most likely for most championships. Um, you got you have to think 2018 when he was a part of the big four. Uh, the big three, sorry. I don't know where I got the big four from. You have to think back to 2018. Um, would someone else replace him as the dominant uh, driver? Would it maybe be Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano, who were both uh, very solid in 2018? Or it's, is, it's, it still, is it still Kevin Harvick? Exactly. It, it could very well still be Kevin Harvick because – in that span from 2017 to 2019, those three seasons, um, and 2022, if you include that, from 17 to, to 19, he won 16 races. Add in 2020, and he's at uh, 25. So, you know, he very well could have been – he could be the face of Hendrick right now. And, and I think, you know – Yes, he, he would have. I don't think he would have put up quite the same amount of numbers in certain years with a struggling Camaro and, and Chevy team. But at, I, I, I think this would have had a huge effect because I think if he if he comes in in 2017, that's still HMS with um that 2017 HMS has a washed up Dale Jr. A, a Jimmy Johnson who's about to to collapse. You have Casey Kane who's on the tail end of his career, and you have a second year rookie in Chase Elliott. I mean, that was not a good team in terms of talent. You put prime Kevin Harvick on that team, and I mean, I think we could have seen a champion out of that team if Harvick had gone to the five. And the other question here is, what happens to guys like Byron? Or, or uh, who, who replaced Dale Jr. Or, or, or not, By, or Byron actually replaced uh, Kane. And then and, and Alex Bowman replacing Dale Jr. What, what happens to those guys? I mean, once in, in 2017, if Harvick replaces Kane, you have Johnson, you have Elliott, you have Jr., and you have Harvick. Uh, Jr. retired. So who do you put in? Does Alex Bowman's career never happen? I'm assuming you would put in um sorry i'm assuming you would put in byron over bowman so yeah, does I, does this just screw over bowman's career if this happens yeah as much as it hurts to say i i don't think bowman gets the 88 car anymore i do think he has a very solid chance in this certain scenario at getting a full-time junior motorsports car i think that's a lock for him if for some reason he never gets Henry, uh, Henry Carr. Or uh, actually, I, I'm going to save this take for, for my next prediction, for one of my next predictions, because I think it's a lot more interesting. Um, so I, I, I really don't know. I, I would definitely put Byron over, uh, over Bowman, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure who would be the face of Henrik. I would say, however, this might alter Chase Elliott's um, legacy a bit because I'm, I'm thinking, man, some of those races Elliott won 
he was for like a really long time the only Henrik driver that was actually winning. Most of those could very very easily go to Harvick. Yeah, it, it could have impacted Elliott's uh, career in a negative way. It also could have benefited him by having a prime championship driver in the stable uh, helping him along um, and, and, you know, Harvick getting the most out of his equipment and that would obviously trickle down to Elliott. I mean, you could see Elliott take off sooner or you could see him not shine quite as much. And so, uh, and I mean, we could also get into what would happen to Stuart Haas after if, if uh, Harvick leaves, because uh, you could put in a, multi, uh, a bunch of short-term solutions. But I mean, outside of Harvick, Harvick's been their, their, their rock, for lack of a better term. What, what happens to Stuart Haas? I mean, well, I think 2018. I think Haas, yeah, I think Stuart Haas keeps Kurt Busch. I don't think they they um they make him leave anymore, which screws over Suarez. Like I said, just the ripple effect. It it really changes everything, doesn't it? I think yeah. they keep Kurt Busch because they really don't have a choice. They don't have a stable veteran anymore. Kane it will probably once again not run the full season because of his injuries. Which once again, who is going to go into the four car for the rest of the season? Who knows? It's, it's it's such a hard prediction to make. They probably also, at least until they get a stable lineup, maybe they try and keep Clint Boyer for like a year or two more. They probably maybe keep him around in 2022 and see if they can get someone better for 2023. I think that I think that's pretty realistic. Do they go after someone like Paul Menard? Do they try and get... Um... I don't know, try and steal Martin Truex Jr. away? Do they take a gamble on someone like Alex Bowman? I mean, there's so many things. I mean, that would be a fantastic video for you to make <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for video ideas. Well, I, I'm definitely known for the what-if videos, so I'll, I'll, give it, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a look. But um, right. like you said, it's, it's really interesting to think about. Uh, but I definitely think if Stuart Haas doesn't find um, a solid lineup of drivers, I think they, 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 they fall off a lot. I think they go somewhere around, they, they end up settling around the Chip Ganassi, Richard Childress uh, sort of level of performance because Harvick has always been one of the only drivers winning consistently on that team. Amarola hasn't been winning consistently. Boyer hasn't won consistently. Bush... Uh, when when Kurt Busch was there, um, I guess he was winning pretty decent, pretty consistently. But I don't know; it's it's hard to to really say. All right, who's your next one? Your final one. All right, um, I actually have. Um, so if you remember in 2018, Denny Hamlin, he struggled quite a lot, right? He he. He was winless for the first time in like how many, many how many years? Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of people, mostly on Reddit, which automatically kind of discredits this rumor. But a lot of people were saying Christopher Bell was uh, gonna drive the eleven because of uh, family struggles. Huge change all over the Cup Series, just massive change because Denny Hamlin immediately after turns into a championship contender. You, you have to. You have to think about how much that changes the championship for. And all these last years, you you have a bunch of drivers who barely missed out, potentially getting a shot at getting into the championship four. And you also have Hamlin's career potentially being derailed. 
do we see 2311 being formed two years earlier and Hamlin being the driver owner? I don't know. I don't think he would have had. I think Bubba is the only reason they really did that. Like if Bubba, if Bubba wasn't trending, I don't know if 2311 gets formed. That's a good point. So um, you really have to think what was considered an open ride during the 2018 uh, silly season. So you look at Stuart Haas with the 41 car. You can look at... Um, Actually, I don't know. Is it was there were there any other cars open during that time? I don't really remember. After 2018, there would have been the Chip Ganassi one car was was open. Yeah, there would have been. I don't know. After 2018, I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, you would have had. You would have had the six car and the 31 for six for Roush and the 31 for RCR. There's no great option there. Yeah. Um, you also have to think about how Bell would perform. I think he would probably be in the same situation as Suarez. I think he would struggle, but um, I don't think they would they would kick him out like they did Suarez because Christopher Bell is like Toyota's golden boy at the moment. I don't think they they would be more patient with him, but I think it would be a struggle, like similar to how Byron struggled. I think all around 2018 would be a rough year for the rookies. Yeah. All right, so I, I would not recommend rushing Bell to, to cup two years early. I don't think that would have gone very well. I think they would have Byron him and had him in trouble of getting uh, getting going. And, and I also think it might have saved Derek Jones' career in the process, but that's for another time. But my other big uh, silly season rumor was all the Volkswagen to NASCAR rumors we had at the beginning of the decade, starting in 2010, going as recently as 2015. Um, at some point, they were predicted to join... Penske joined NASCAR with Penske being the top team. But then when the emissions scandal happened um, uh, back in the middle, I forget what year it was, but they were lying about their emissions numbers and they were, and all of that, that kind of killed their company in terms of advertising and such, because they had a ton of fines to pay. So that kind of killed the chances of them to coming to NASCAR. But there were some rumors that they had been, that they were in the works, that they had a deal in place at certain points. And for various reasons, the, the biggest, of course, being that emission scandal, they did not come through. But I think that would have impacted NASCAR in a pretty big way. I think definitely, I mean, they kind of would have replaced Dodge in a way, would be my guess. Um, and, and it would be interesting to see what other teams would follow suit, how Penske would have performed. Um, and, and yeah, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know if you've had you heard of this before, Eric. This is the first time I've heard it. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> um, I have to say, I think this puts Ford in a lot of trouble, especially during the beginning of the of the, of the last decade. You have to think what what teams did Ford have under their belt? It was like Roush. They had uh, they had a front, they had a front row, 
and they had uh, the Wood Brothers, and there might be a couple more, but um, I can't really think of them right now. Um, if Roush continues their downfall, who's left for Ford? I, I think they would struggle to find a decent team all the way up until 2017 when, when they go to Stuart Haas, even, even make it all the way. I Who knows? Maybe and, they just struggle so much, they decide to just dip. And, and if they were struggling so much by 2016, would Stuart Haas want to move to Ford? Exactly. I, I think they would, they would probably stay with Chevy because even, even in, in, in the case of Stuart Haas, they, they weren't very happy with being the second fiddle to, to Henrik. I think they would prefer that to going to a experimental, uh, will they, won't they Ford in this situation? Yeah. Well, I think, I ultimately think it wouldn't have changed NASCAR that much. There would be maybe a different power structure. Because who knows how Penske does? Who knows how Stuart Haas does in the future? Um, who knows how any other team that would decide to jump to, to Volkswagen? I think for the health of the sport, it would have been better to have four manufacturers. But overall, I don't think it would impact too much in terms of actual performance and driver moves and stuff like that. Um, especially because there was never really any, like they never were there. Right, and it's not like some of the other silly season stuff we've talked about. So um, it definitely is fascinating, and it is curious to think about, especially with the news coming that we might have another manufacturer coming soon, or that NASCAR is at least hoping to get a new manufacturer soon. So um, it it is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, for sure. And um, really unfortunate we couldn't get, those last two predictions in. Um, I don't know about you, but I had a pretty cool one planned up. But um, fortunately, uh, we will time we'll save them. Yeah, I'll keep it we'll in mind. It. We'll do it some other time. But we're we're already like an hour into recording here, and we don't want this. I don't want this to be a massive episode because we have another segment that might be a little long coming up. So coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast, we'll start previewing teams for the 2022 season that's coming up next on the quick pit podcast Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your co-host for today. I am Eric. I'm joined as always by Ethan. And today for this third segment, we're going to be previewing every, actually not every single team, but a couple of teams from the 2022 season. Um, Ethan, what team are you going to be covering today? We're going to be going over the, the team and the drivers for Roush Fenway Racing and for Penske. And so, of course, if you guys have been listening for a while, you know that we did this last year. We went over every team, pretty much every driver, basically, and, and kind of talked about what we thought they, how we thought they would do this year. And so, um, yeah, we'll get right into it. We'll let you. Do you want to start or end with your driver, Eric? Because we can we can do it how you want. I'll start with I'll start with uh, Chris Bisher first. Okay, so we'll start with Roush. And Chris Busher, straight up prediction, playoffs or not? 
man, that is tough. Um, I I'm leaning towards playoffs mainly because for the first half of the season in 2021, he was solidly in the playoffs. He was like a pretty safe prediction. Uh, unfortunately, Roush just couldn't keep up, and he he eventually faded from out of playoff contention. But with this new car and um, with this new opportunity with with RF, RFK, um, I'm thinking he might go the distance this time. I think he might make the playoffs. I'm I'm still not entirely sold on it, but I really want to be optimistic and say he has a chance to make the playoffs. And I think he just might. He my point is way in. It might win. I'm not entirely sure. It really depends how consistent he's going to be. Um, so I really hope he makes the playoffs. I hope I'm right. And um, overall expectations for him, I think he just he should really just strive to impress his new boss so he um, has a ride secured for 2023 and beyond because I really do think Chris Bush is a great, great driver. I think he's one of the most underrated drivers we have. He's beaten Chase Elliott for an Xfinity championship. I think that should get more credit. So I hope he does well. Yes. Um, and I would agree with you. I think he will have a very solid season. I think Roush as a whole will have a great season, putting at least one of their drivers in the playoffs. I think Brad is probably very likely. I think Chris is kind of a 50-50 shot, but if he keeps the same uh, ratio to from performance to equipment, that he did last year. I think he should have no problems. He's definitely very talented with this car narrowing the gap. I think he will have a breakout year. Actually. I, th- I think he will win a race or two uh, for real without any fog helping him. So, and I think Brad will as well. Um, I will, I would like to read you something, Eric, that you sent me about two weeks ago. No, two months ago, three months ago in October, you said, God. quote, I'm, as like, this is further back than I thought. Quote, I'm going bold and expecting at least two wins from both of them. Talking about Brad and Busher. So, and here you're saying you just want him to be consistent and to, to impress his boss. And you're hoping that he makes the playoffs. Yeah. So which one um, is it? <laughs> I have no idea. To be honest, I don't know why it made me change my mind so much. Actually, I think it might have been all of this, um, re- all of this recent talks with all of the silly season changes, you know, with um, with twenty three eleven and track house and all of that stuff. I think I, I just I realized just how competitive the the cup series will be. So I was like, hey, maybe I should I should dial it down a bit. And uh, I also started testing, and I saw what teams are fast. And I saw a track house and I saw a 20 for 11. So I'm once again, like, maybe I should dial it down a bit. Maybe I should wait and see what happens in the season. But I, I do definitely hope they both get two wins each. That would be awesome. But um, I guess I changed my mind. I couldn't tell you why exactly. Yeah, I, I would have to, to agree with you there. It's like, I think Roush will win races next year. They will, they will get in victory late. How many times? I don't know. I think the ceiling for them is probably four wins as a team. I think they will have a very good plate racing program. I think you could easily see a couple wins there. Um, But I also think they will have speed at some tracks to to pull it off. Think places like Loudoun, Richmond, Bristol, like the short tracks, the smaller tracks. 
it's going to be they're going to be competitive there. Those are tracks that both Brad and Busher have been good at, have been able to maximize equipment. So if the equipment isn't as good as we think, they will have opportunities to compete. And also with the new package coming, it's going to be very skill-based again and not, not still definitely equipment-based, but not as much so. And so you could have it just, I think it'll be very much based on how, which teams hit the setup. Brad is a very intelligent uh, driver in terms of mechanics and stuff like that. That team I think is going to surprise some people, some races. Yeah, that's a good point. Brad is, that's what I've been saying for Pen, about Penske, and we can probably talk about this when we get in more, in more detail when we get to Penske. But I think that that, that will make them struggle losing such a uh, smart driver in terms of engineering because Brad is very experienced when it comes to setting up cars and, and mechanics and stuff like that. It 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 will really affect. Penske, in my opinion, but it will also impact Roush in a good way too. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm really excited. I've been saying this so much lately. There's so much to be excited for next season, and uh, Roush is definitely one of them. Yes, 100%. Now, moving on to Penske, and I think this is a very intriguing one. Drivers next year, oh, we didn't mention for Roush. The drivers will be Brad Kozlowski in the sixth car, Chris Buescher in the 17th. For Penske, Joey Logano returns in the 22. Ryan Blaney returns in the 12. Austin Sindrick moves to cup fresh off of two straight Final Four appearances in the Xfinity Series, including a championship win in 2020. Moves to replace Brad Keselowski in the two cars starting in 2022 with the next-gen car. Let's start with Sindrick because I think he's the most interesting one here. Where do you think his season will rank compared to other high uh, excitement rookies in the last couple of years. Do you think he'll be better, worse? Where, where, where will he fall on the spectrum? I think Sindrick will probably be one of the most impressive rookies we've had because he has already so much experience. He's, he hasn't been rushed. He took his time. And I think this is the perfect opportunity and the perfect time for him to go, go into the Cup Series. I'm not sure if he's going to win right off the bat. I'm not even sure if he's going to make the playoffs. But I definitely think he can win. And he probably will at some point. Uh, like I've said many times on this show and, and many times in general, um, I think this has this season has the potential to be the first time we have a driver with a win inside the top 30 in points missing the playoffs simply because there would be so many winners. You have to take a look at all of these competitive cars and all these competitive teams. Like I've said, you can't really kick out Kurt Busch or Cindric or Chastain out of the playoffs because they're all so good. So I, I think it's very possible that Sinric wins, but he simply just doesn't make the playoffs because someone else has also won, but he's won more times or he's won stage points. So it really depends uh, how everyone around him performs. If, if all of these other teams like 2311 and Trackhouse struggle, I think uh, Sinric comfortably makes the playoffs. I think... You know, especially with all the road courses, Cindric will be a threat every race. And that's that alone is five races that he has a shot to win, that he's going to be one of the favorites coming in. I think that there are some other tracks that he's really good at, and he will have a chance to win. And I think I agree with you. I think he's going to be the best rookie we've seen in a long time. 
I think would Chase Elliott probably be the best, like most recent good rookie? I I, I can't. Tyler Reddick is also pretty decent. Was pretty decent. Yeah, I, I I'm just not sure. He still finished like 20th in points or something like that. Where he he looked. He showed a lot of flashes, but he didn't have a great statistical season. Did did Elliott make the playoffs his first season? Yes, he did. 2016 finished 10th in points. I think 10 top five, 17 top tens, 10th in points as a rookie for Elliott in 2016. I think that's probably the best rookie season in, in recent memory. Um, so, you know, if – we. Would uh, a line like that be good for Sindrick? Do you think that's too high, too low? I personally think that might be a little bit too high because he still is still a big step up. It's still a brand new car for everyone, and he doesn't have quite as much experience as some of the other drivers in the field. But I agree with you. I think he will be very solid, much better than Custer or Briscoe. Or, uh, probably, I think probably about the same level as Bell. I think that's a fair fair estimate, and um, like you said, it really just it really just depends uh what happens with the new car and um with everyone else having more experience. But you can also you can also make the argument that it being a new car, everyone would basically be learning the car for the first time, and uh, Sindrick might have just as much of an as of, of an advantage as as his teammates because they're all going to be new to the car, so it really goes both ways. And it's once again, one of those things that you can't really pre- predict at the moment. You just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Joey Logano, the, the now the elder statesman at Penske racing um, coming off a year in which he won one race, the Bristol dirt race, which is odd given his track record, but um, and then he finished, I believe, eighth in points. So, you know, not a great season by Joey Logano's standards, but still a very good, consistent one, considering Penske had a bit of a down year. But uh, I think he has a bit of a rebound. I feel like this car will will suit him and his driving style. It's in a, it, You need to be aggressive. You need to be uh, drive the car hard to get results out of it. And that's how Logano drives. And so I personally expect him to be right back in the championship mix. Um, I think he gets multiple wins, probably three or four wins. I think he's easily in the round of eight, competing for a final four spot, leads lots of laps, good uh, close to career highs in in top fives and top tens. And and so I think he is set up to have a a very solid year. Yeah, and you have to think back to years years past before the blowdown for his package where Logano was always very solid and you could count on him getting four or even five wins um look back at 2015 where he had his probably best year and um I think he could very easily recreate a, a season like this it's all comes it all comes down for him to closing the deal which he was able to do in 2018, but he's had a lot of seasons where he was dominant or just very, very good, but he was just not able to close out the deal. So it all really comes down. Uh, it all really all comes down to that final round of the, of the, of the playoffs, which has slipped away from him so many times. And another uh, critique I've heard about Logan a lot is that he hasn't been as flashy as he, as he used to be uh, in these last couple of years. I was really curious to see what you thought about that. Um, 
I would have to sort of agree because he hasn't really won like a crown jewel or something in a, in a long time. He hasn't won any important races, well, except for the championship, but he hasn't won like a 500 or a, Co- or a Coca-Cola 600 or, or a Darlington race. So do uh, you think he's long overdue for, for another one of these crown jewel events? You know, I think, he, first of all, he's getting older. The last season was his, I believe, his 12th. Last season was his 13th full-time season in the Cup Series, which is crazy uh, because he's kind of been part of the younger, not quite the younger, but he's definitely not one of the old guys either. But, you know, he his nickname is Sliced Bread, right? Yeah. So when he came into the Cup Series, he was sliced bread like, like a fresh loaf right out of the oven. All right, so now I think he's progressing into the like, you know, like the the grocery store bakery kind of. I don't know how how I'm assuming it's the same over in Europe for you, but like here, most of our grocery stores have uh, a bakery section, and it's quote unquote a bakery, but it's really like most of the stuff is just sent to them and they package it up or they heat it up or they they bake very few things, but it's still better than like the name brand, like the, the, the company company bread, right? Like, I don't know, like the white bread that you can get off the shelves. So he's, he's still good. Right. But he's not quite as exciting, not quite as cool. He's a dad. He's going bald. He's got glasses. He's still good. um, But he's not, sliced bread anymore you know yeah that, that's you know i've never thought about it about it like that yeah uh grocery store bakery bread that should be yes. your nickname <laughs> um but i i think from that it's like he's going to have a phenomenal career when he retires looking back on it. i would not be surprised at all to see him with multiple multiple more crown jewels, multiple championships added to his resume, probably 50, 60 wins. But I mean, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to blow anyone away, right? Like I, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it, but like Jimmy Johnson was honestly terrible the last three years of his career, right? Yeah, but he still he was he still had a top tier ride because of his pedigree, correct? His history, his track record. Yeah, I mean Joey Logano could start driving like Jimmy Johnson did at the last three years of his career and still get to race for another decade. I mean, he's still a very solid driver. He's still he's one of the he's becoming one of the elder state elder statesmen. He's he's turning from one of the, the arrogant, brash young drivers to one of the respected, the, 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 the elder statesman, the gentleman, he, he's kind of, he's going to him and Brad, guys like that, they're going to replace guys like Hamlin and Kurt and, and Truex and Harvick in a couple of years. And, and so and he's already progressing into that. And so he may not be as flashy, like you said, but I think he is still a very good driver. I think he's going to have a great bounce back year and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, that that's, those are some very good points. You definitely got me thinking. Uh, it's almost as, as if he really doesn't have anything left to prove. He has the wins. He has the championship. 
He has the 500 in 2015. He could hang it up tomorrow and, and, and call it a career and be probably completely fine with it. He probably wouldn't he mind. Could, he hangs it up tomorrow. He, it's, it's, a, it's a Hall of Fame career, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Junior got in with less, and, and granted, that's Junior, but guys have got in with less. And so if he, he has 27 wins, he has crown jewel wins, he has a championship. He's only 31, which, you know, most drivers, Harvick didn't hit his prime until he was like almost 40. Same with Hamlin. I mean, I think Hamlin, the last five years have been the best five years of Hamlin's career. And Hamlin's also in his 40s now. And so, and same for Truex. And so, you know, Logano could easily, I think that he could easily start turning it around, not turning it around because he still had great years the last couple of years. But I think he could really explode again, especially, like I said earlier, with this new car that um, it's not quite as much emphasis on equipment as it is on on getting the most out of the car. And I think Logano is, as we saw this year, I mean, Ford was Ford was really down on, compared to Chevy and Toyota, really low on the totem pole in terms of power and performance, but he dragged it all the way to the final, the, the round of eight. And so I, I think I'm very optimistic for Logano this year. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. I hope he I hope he does well. And then finally on the list for today we have Ryan Blaney who is uh, coming off his first multi-win season of his career in which he won 3 races, 11 top 5s, 20 top 10s, 423 laps led and a final season rank of seventh overall in the point standings made the round of eight, seemed to be in great position to advance until he crashed at Texas and then had problems at Martinsville. But it looked for a while there that he would have uh, a good chance at, at making the round of four. I think he was, oh, well, no, I think Harvick was the best Ford driver, but Blaney was definitely second. He, it felt like he took a step forward this year. What were your thoughts on, on Ryan Blaney's season? Definitely. Um, I think he he has the opportunity. If if for some reason Logano struggles, Blaney is the leader of, of Fenske. I think that's that's easy to see. So um, I really think it all comes down to the crew chief change. I know he is not with Todd Gordon anymore, but I just can't remember who is going to be on, on, on top of the box next season. I think it's going to be Matt the Benedetto's old crew chief. Or uh, man, I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to check that. You keep talking, I'll find it. All right. So it all really depends on on how he he uh, ha- on his chemistry with the crew chief. If if it's there and um, if if the car setups are, are fine, I think Blaney continues to win, and I think he solidifies his his breakout season and, and proves it's not a fluke. And he probably starts dominating races like we've all wanted him to do for so long. And um, you look at the schedule, there's, especially towards the start of the season, there's a lot of tracks where he's good at. You have to look at Daytona, Auto Club, Las Vegas. There's so many opportunities for him to win. And um, I think he can definitely do it early on and do it a lot. And I'm really excited to see uh, just how good he's going to be. Um, and if everything goes according to plan, I think he could be a lock for the championship four pretty early on in the season. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm realizing a problem here, and I feel like we're going to do this with every good driver on a good team that we talk about. But with this new car, we're going to – there are so many people that we could easily see, so many drivers that we could see easily making it to the round of four. You know, like I could see a breakout season for Blaney. I could see a great season from, from Logano. I could see Brad surprising everyone. I could see, you know – Half the field, I feel like, almost could have a breakout year. Or not a breakout year, but like a, a, a round of eight year, you know? And, and, and I agree with you. I think Blaney is in a great position with uh, – and it all is dependent on how Ford hits the next-gen car. But for the sake of the argument, let's say that they hit it with flying co- colors and, and, you know, off they go. Yeah. Um it's that's definitely a good point. I've made some predictions in the past. I have said that I I think Ford might, at least for the first couple races, I think they might be the best manufacturer all around because I have to think of the of their engine program, the Roush Yates engine program, which has always been solid. No matter what has happened with Ford and how they performed, you could always bet on them being fast at the super speedways and at the 750 horsepower tracks where engines matter the most. And you have to consider the fact that most parts will be coming from, from NASCAR, except for the engine. You look at, at, at Roush Yates and at Ford, they're set up, they're primed for a great year, at least until everyone else catches up. So I'm, I'm really curious to see if, if you would agree with me on that, if you think that's, that's, a, that's a good prediction. I think, I think it makes sense. I think it's, it's very possible. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think Roush is – I think the engine company the, – the teams that make the engines are going to be the best teams to start. So that will be Hendrick, Gibbs, and Roush. The, the more I think about it, you brought up that, that great point. I, I, I really feel now, and this is going to invalidate everything you said about Roush earlier, but the teams that make the engines are going to get the best engines. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, we want the, the B motor – they're taking the A. And and so, you know, I think Ford is in a good spot. Roush Yates has a strong history of making great engines. And so, yeah, I think, I think Penske will have a really good year. I think, uh, and really the more I look at it, I feel like it's going to be a season full of parody, but I, I think Penske is primed to have a great season. Yeah. Ford all around is just, is, is in a really good spot at the moment. Even Stuart coming off of 2021, I think, they finally have a, a, a decently experienced roster, and I think they can, they can also recover from, from last season. But like you said, Roush, Penske, all of, these, all of these four teams, they can go ahead and just completely dominate, and most of us wouldn't be surprised because following the trends and, and just looking at the statistics and and taking into consideration all the programs they have when it comes to engines, that's the most logical pick. Yeah. All right. That wraps up uh, Penske and Roush. So otherwise, that'll do it for this week's episode. Any final thoughts, Eric? Um, well, if, if you wouldn't mind, what do you think are going to be like the top three dominant drivers this season? Larson? I got to pick a surprise one here. 
Larson definitely. Behind him, it's a lot more fuzzy. Larson, Bell, Reddick. Wow. I was going to go a little bit on the safer side, but um, now you, you kind of uh, made me have to at least have to choose someone that's a little bit more unique to try to challenge your picks. I'm going to go with Larson too. I'm also going to pick Kyle Busch because um, whenever he has high horsepower and low downforce, he just goes crazy and wins a bunch of races. I think that's going to happen again with practice and everything. I think it suits him. Despite, despite, despite his last three wins coming at a high downforce track. Well, that's also a pretty good point, but um, he's always <laughs> been historically a lot better overall when horsepower has been well, has been high. So I guess we'll see. I hope I'm right. I'll probably be wrong, but we'll see. And my last driver, I think I'm going to go with William Byron. I think he's, he's primed to finally just get those multiple wins. He's just been itching all season in 2021 to get. He was so close so many times. I think he finally gets, gets it done this season. All right, let's expand it one one bit further. Just make it a final four. Add one more driver. I will go with Blaney. Um, who who's yours? Well, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Truex. I I think go Truex is a, is a solid pick. Ford locked out of the final four again this year. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, that's not my. That, this isn't really my my. Uh, my final four oh, prediction, no. I guess. Oh no, we'll make sure to come back to this night at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the year. Yeah. I will. I'm gonna make a note. I so I I went to make the the year end um, recording for last episode um, and put put all that together with the highlights. And I couldn't remember many of the highlights. Like I could remember the big ones, but I know there were a lot more. Funny moments, funny comments, stuff like that. Bloopers throughout the year that we should have thrown in, that I should have thrown in. So this year I have told myself I'm going to write down all the – and I'm going to make a bloopers folder and stuff. I'm going to, like, keep track throughout the year so it's a lot easier for me at the end. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't got anything more final – any more final thoughts. When this episode goes up, it'll be a month to the clash. Uh, this will go up on January 6th. Uh, Timestamp, it's 5 o'clock Eastern time on the 4th of January, Tuesday, January 4th. Um, I, I guess it's uh, the 23rd for you now, Eric. But so let, let's finish this up. Yeah. Um, it's actually one minute past midnight right now. So yes. definitely a pretty long episode. Probably the longest one we've done. So uh, not complaining. No, I be- I believe it's the maybe the Martinsville one. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, now I have to check. Um, it was saved the speedways really long. Oh, it was Alan Bestwick. That that's what it was. So we had like four segments and a big long interview. That was a great episode. Highly recommend you go check that out. And and, and Brendan gone. We've got some. We've got one possibly more guests coming up in a couple weeks so stay tuned for that we might have connor back might have uh, some other collabs we might have a three-person episode with me and connor and eric lots of fun stuff coming up thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week on the quick pit podcast